Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. We are back. Boy, that was a pretty nice opening weekend for our New York Metropolitans. Taryn's back. What's up, buddy? Nothing much. Uh, loving the baseball, loving the pace. Um, the only thing that I'm sad about, you know, I, 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 I stay up pretty late typically. And so it was nice to catch those West coast games, like that, the ones that run long late at night, but now they're all done before midnight. And I, I, that makes me sad, but <laughs> for normal people, it must be nice to be able to watch uh, even the West coast games before they go to bed. I watched Kyle Lewis's, I guess it wasn't a walk-off, it was a game winner on opening night in L.A. Uh, for Arizona. And I was, I want to say it was, pro- I mean, we're East Coast, so we're probably in that 12-1 to 1 window as opposed to that 11-12 to 12 window for you, but um, 12-30 probably. And that was a, you know, it wasn't an offensive thriller, but, you know, there were some, uh, some tense moments. But, yeah, it was uh, – you know, catching that baseball fever on opening day, I had to stay up. It doesn't matter what time I had to be up in the morning. I was I was watching some baseball. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. The other series that I was really keeping my eye on, because it's probably two playoff teams, the uh, Cleveland and uh, Seattle. Oh, yeah. They've got so many players that I love to watch. And that's why I love talking to you about baseball. It's just um, you have so much appreciation for – all the other guys, uh, in addition to how much we love our own guys. Um, actually, as you're mentioning that, I'm pretty sure once we turn off, I'm turning on uh, Savale versus Logan Gilbert, which would be the uh, final game of that Cleveland-Seattle series. I was looking yeah. forward to that one. 3-1 uh, Cleveland and in going into the third. Okay, they got to him early. I like Gilbert. Oh, he's good. Should we talk some Mets? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, um I guess first off the list, we're going to get to Kodai Sanga and and what he showed us on Sunday a little bit later. But yeah. um, we got our first looks at David Peterson and Tyler McGill. Uh, we both had a little, probably a little bit more confidence that McGill would kind of turn it on once pressed into uh, regular season mode. And, you know, there were a little hiccups, uh, a couple of hiccups here and there. But for the most part, he looked good. Peterson kept to his thing. What were your uh, What were your initial takeaways of uh, of the two guys who were kind of thrust into the rotation? Yeah, Peterson, uh, you know, a, a mistake here or there, but otherwise, really good. Looked almost exactly like he's looked this spring, except he finally gave up a run. So um, I really like that. I, I think that he's going to be a, a really good fill in um, as long as we're waiting for Quintana, but. Um, more generally, just a guy that we can rely on. And and I think, especially with Trevor Williams moving on to the Nationals this year, he's going to be counted on once we're hopefully at full strength that he'll be that swing guy, I think, um, y- even though he's from the other side. So 
really liked that. Uh, the Marlins uniforms on Friday looked awesome, right? Like those old school uniforms. Oh my God, man. Those. All right. So quick story in 1993, when the Marlins made their debut, I was 10 years old, probably nine going on 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you remember, I'm sure there's some listeners who remember there used to be like quarter machines. There's, there still are quarter machines at like supermarkets, but they were actually just a quarter. And, uh, one of them was always like mini baseball helmets and you tried to collect them all, what have you. So like, probably, I don't know, six months before the Marlins and Rockies made their debut, you're doing your little things, you're getting your helmets and I get a, a Marlins one. And I'm like, what is this? I like this. Cause you know, like, you know, I'm baseball. Yeah. Like the teal aqua one. It was just, Oh my God, this is awesome. And then you, you know, you see him come out and it's just, I don't know why they ever moved away from that color scheme, that logo. I know it was new ownership and they want to set a new era, but boy, you got something that looks that good. Why do you move away from it? Yeah, it looks great. It looks great with black. Um, they're awesome and they're unique uniforms. And, uh, but, um, yeah, they, they, the only thing that I didn't don't like about these, that massive advertising patch, just, I don't mind it. Uh, well, okay. Uh, well, that's no, 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 please, no, no. You, I want to hear yeah. your take on this because you're much more in tune to the the business side of things. You well, know, I mean, I, I had an issue with the Nike swoosh when it came out, and like I got over it in like a day. I, I I haven't even really looked twice at the at the patches. Right. So, like the Nike thing, it also annoys me. I would rather it not be there, but I'm okay with that more or less because that's the manufacturer of the uniform. Whereas, like. ADT, what does it have to do with baseball? And I didn't like them during the World Baseball Classic either. But, you know, for me, I think I would be more accepting of it, even though I don't like the ad creep that has found its way into uh, our everyday lives as if, like, we're living out infinite jest. Um, But the uh, (laughs) if we could make them the same color. So like, I don't know if you've seen the Padres uniforms, but they have that awful giant Motorola M, but it's in the color of the team uniform. So they, uh, they look a little bit better, a a little bit more appealing, but I know that real quick. How do you like the Padres? Those, I know they, they were using them last year. They're city connects. Oh yeah. Those are cool. Those are great. I, I, I now I want to go check out if they have the, the Motorola in those funky colors on the, uh, on those patches. Well, you know, like also I think Tatis, whenever he gets back, like that's the swaggiest guy in baseball to me. So um, I, I I like the way that he styles the, uh, the uniforms. And so I'm, I'm excited to see him be able to wear those when he finally returns. Also I'm heavily invested on him in my fantasy dynasty. (laughs) Uh, I mean, in the baseball card world, I am I am heavily invested as well. Not heavily. I bought low this this off season. Um, I guess before uh, before he really showed that he still has it in spring training. So I'm I'm hoping for a maybe maybe a sharp increase, but we sh- we shall see. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned uh, McGill. I think uh, a lot of people were maybe like expecting the worst. Uh, when he was thrown into duty because uh, he didn't have like the best spring. He, he had a pretty solid spring for most of the time and then um, kind of fell apart there at the end. He looks uh, better in the, in the, in the world baseball classic in the limited 
spots he got. Well, towards the end of it, maybe. Miguel. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about like McNeil. My sorry. I'm sorry, McNeil. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> the whole time I was listening, I'm like, oh wait, well, no, this applies to McNeil, sure. And yeah, I just went the wrong <laughs> way with that. Sorry. No, but I, I think that um, he uh, he got into some trouble, but he worked his way out of it. And I thought that um, kind of pitched to the defense, right? And that's the that's why you trade for and and sign uh, a guy like Lindor and make him the face of the franchise is because he can make those types of plays. And so he ended up saving those two runs, uh, preserving the lead for the Mets in McGill oh. start. Oh, I'm sorry. My, I, I wanted to just a note on Lindor's defense so far. Now, do you remember last season when I guess, you know, he was part of, I want to say it was probably a union initiative to kind of put it out into the media that, um, you know, some players were, were looking forward to a, a restricted shift hope to hopefully being enacted. Yeah, and he was, was yeah, he was very vocal about it. And and Tim Healy of Newsday did a really nice write up on it on Sunday. Um, looking back at it, and we're really seeing his range that he was, you know, proclaiming to to want to use so so much. Um, we've really seen it at play so far, right? Yeah, big time. And and also for him, I, I think it reflects so well upon a leader on the team um, to even though he hasn't gotten off to the best start at the plate this year, he never carries that out into the field with him. He understands that there are many different ways to affect the game and, uh, and he embraces it. He's he even said after the game, he told the reporters that he loves playing defense. And, and so I really appreciate that about Lindor. And, uh, and I think that that's one of the best things about him. Um, but that game, the McGill, the McGill game uh, on Saturday, I thought was really like a, a great example of the Mets sort of team ethos that they had all, all last year and that we all loved watching that everyone was kind of pulling in the same direction. Uh, it's a different guy every day, right? Like um, on Saturday you had Omar Nervias with two big hits and it, it to me, it it's such a stark contrast to be able to have two of those guys, right? Like Nito did that a lot last year. Nito had a great year last year, um, but unfortunately, McCann wasn't able to pull his weight in that same way. So if we have two guys that are not only excellent defensive catchers, but they're able to contribute offensively, that completely changes the dynamic of our lineup. And so I, I love what I'm seeing out of him so far. And then um, I don't know if you had anything on Canna, but uh, he had said that he wanted to hit for more power, that he expects to be a 25 home run guy. And he got off to a great start there on Saturday. He hit the home run and he had three hits total. So uh, I, I'm loving what I'm seeing in terms of kind of being more of the same, everybody pulling in the same direction and, uh, and everybody keep continuously trying to improve. Well, you know, a note on Canna, because I, I think that, you know, a big narrative going into the season that was that the Mets had lacked a right-handed DH, like a, like a, a specific right-handed DH bat. You know, and I think even, I want to say it was John Harper at SNY, kind of jumped on that after the Mets lost on Friday. Um, 
that oh you know it, it's glaring how 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 necessary a right-handed dh bat is and you know if you can, look, can i just say real quick on that and uh, i'm sorry to interrupt but no, no no go ahead anybody who's drawn conclusions after two games <laughs> no is that no, not no. like the silliest thing ever you've played less than one percent of the season like let it play out a little bit these guys won a hundred plus games last year i think that they're going to be pretty good well, and I think we, you know, everyone's got a job to do. And, and John Harper does what John Harper, everybody's, again, everyone's got a job to do. And, and you got to, it's funny how clicks have turned into the currency, but that's a, a topic for another podcast another day. Um, so the article that, that came out was, um, actually I have, a, I have just the, the, the headline quote ahead of me. It was, the Mets have had their issues against left-handed pitching going back to last season. You know, that's couldn't be much further from the truth. You know, pretty much I, I'm looking at the Mets one through pretty much seven hitters last year. We're all 115 weighted runs created plus or higher versus left-handers. Um, you know, I think on so on Saturday, you saw Canna's ability to step into that role and do very well with it. On Sunday, you saw Tommy Pham step in and, and face – a left-hander when needed and do have a very good game. We'll talk about him later as well. You know, the Mets kind of have baked in options to go in whichever direction they want to go. And as we've talked about on the show and kind of as, as everyone's eyes have turned to uh, Eduardo Escobar, as he's got off to a slow start, you know, let's say Brett Beatty comes up and he gets shifted into third base. Then you got Escobar, who's, a much more accomplished hitter against left-handers batting righty than he is lefty batting against right-handed pitchers. Yeah. You got, you just have so many more options. Like, yeah, no jumping to conclusions is, is very silly at this point, but having the ability to go in so many different directions and have so many stop gaps and, 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 and just safety nets, very, very capable safety nets. It's, it's a good place to be. Yeah. And, and obviously that, comes down to also the front office understanding what the the skill set of the staff is, right? So if you know that you've got a guy like Buck who can tinker, he understands, um, he has great feel for the moment. He knows where to push the buttons. And all that is not to say that it's going to work out 100% of the time, right? Three-game series, it could not work out. You could lose two out of three, and then that's that. it is what it is. But... Baseball, baby. Uh, yeah, that's baseball. But uh, in the sense that if you can give somebody who is that smart and has surrounded himself with other smart people, whether it be Hefner or it be uh, Chavez or or even you know Harrison Friedland in the in the replay center, but it's uh, <laughs> giving tools to to smart people and then seeing what they can do with it. I, I think that's a really good tactic by the front office and, and it's been successful for a year now. And I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be successful going forward. Um, one other thing that I wanted to say on um, Lindor's defense, I, I think that this also kind of meshes with Buck and the type of players that Buck likes. One of the first things I remember him saying about Lindor uh, and it, it's just that Lindor is he he thinks about the game. He wants to be better. He he asks questions. He he wants to be coached. 
all of those things uh, were attractive to Buck. And so even with defense, um, Lindor is trying to anticipate things. He, you know, he threw that, uh, that ball to um, get out of the inning for McGill. It was probably at like 80 miles an hour, but that's not like his best skill. His best skill is agility, anticipation, uh, positioning, all of those things, understanding where guys are more likely to hit it. I think that, that the Mets have tried to turn themselves into a team of thinkers. And so for me, like wanting to watch baseball and think about it um, and do more than just the eye test, it, it that's an attractive brand of baseball for me to watch as well. I mean, personally, I can't wait for StatCast and SIS data to start pouring in as far as um, outs above average and, and, and range metrics and stuff was, you know, stuff that we'd be looking at previously, but, Oh, well, how does the shift come into play and click on another screen? No, you're going to get, you're going to get everything right there. And I mean, that's just on the, on the fan side. Imagine what you're looking at in player development and how advanced the data that they're going to be getting and, yeah. you know, how skilled these hitters are to say, oh, okay, well, you know, let's let the ball come a little bit deeper into the zone because, you know, I'll I'll get guys, I'll catch guys sleeping and, and and it'll get a little bit, you know, a little bit further to their left or whatever the case may be. But, you know, it's there's the ripple effects that'll come with the changes that they're making now. Um and, and this is a, a very big one. Boy, that was a excellent point, bro. I like that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what did you think uh, about Dennis Santana? He's uh he went back to back days. He went yesterday and today. And and looked pretty good. Um, few strikeouts. He got the time violation, which uh, that's the first time I had seen that in a regular season game. So, um, and then he he got Jesus Sanchez to ground out yesterday as well. So, um, what did you think of him? Picked him up off of waivers uh, a few weeks ago from the yeah. Twins. Yeah. Hey, man. As if you have guys that can get outs, you've got a spot. And, you know, between the sinker slider that he's throwing out there, I think he mixes in a four seam too, but um, slider does its job, man. I, I know, you know, um, I'm trying to pick up his whiffs, but here we go. Yeah, just today, man. Three swings, two strikeouts, uh, three swings, two whiffs on three sliders. I mean, that's going to do its job as long as you're pairing it up with your other – with the other pitches in your arsenal. And if he throws a sinker that's in that same tunnel, which, you know, I haven't really looked at data, but, um, you know, the, the deception quotient, as long as that's there and you're giving it to hitters in, in, you're not overloading, you know, a team or, or the league with the same two pitches over and over again, maybe if they're not as refined, you know, if they use sparingly, man, that's always an asset especially if the guy knows how to get out, get outs, which, you know, he's, he's probably journeyman status at this point. Right. Yeah. Although I, I mean, he's not that old, right. He's not, I don't quite, think so. Yeah, I think he's like still in his twenties. So I know, but Minnesota, I know Minnesota and Atlanta are coming to my head. I'm not, I'm not sure where else he's been. Yeah. I think he was in Atlanta. Uh, was he in Texas? I'm looking uh, at right now. Oh my goodness. I have a, I have a Dodgers image coming up. Dodgers, Texas, and the Mets. I guess he was in minors systems with. No, 
He wasn't even with Atlanta's system. Where, where did I get that from? Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. In, in any case, um, <laughs> dude, if, 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 if he can get outs, that's, yeah, that's fine by us, especially when you're kind of patchworking, you know, those, those, those meat and potato guys together until you find a, a blueprint for how this is going to work, which so far <laughs> that back end blueprints looking not, not bad, but that's another second half one too. But yeah, John Curtis, Dennis Santana. Uh, I think we saw Steven Nagosi uh, pitch well on Sunday. Yeah. He had two innings. Yeah. And he went upstairs to Jesus Sanchez. This is in the ninth, I believe before um, grounded into a double play right back to him. But went upstairs and he challenged him, and I love that. But uh, I don't want to get too deep into Sunday. You want to take a quick break, come back? Let's do it, yeah. We'll talk about Senga, uh, Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, the slap surge around the world on Sunday. (laughs) All right, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Um, Taryn, we got our first look at Kodai Sanga on Sunday. And I think the nerves of the fan base maybe may have kind of transferred over to him because he was a little shaky (laughs) as well. But, boy, once he got got his bearings, you saw that uh, that talent, huh? Yeah, I'm not sure who was more nervous, but uh, you definitely (laughs) – and he showed some real fight. You know, he loaded up the bases with nobody out in the first. And that had to be difficult. There was um, uh, Nito went out there to chat with him, but then there was another walk. Uh, and it felt kind of like he was getting squeezed a little bit uh, at first. Um, rookie umpire, I think. And uh, I'm not sure that I understood the zone early on, uh, but he wasn't necessarily giving that uh, that the high strike, right. He was giving more of the low strikes. Um, so, uh, I think once they kind of figured that out, Hefner went out there for a chat, managed to get out of that with only giving up one run. But, um, you know, some of that, (laughs) I, I, a rise is, uh, is a tough out as tough an out as there is in the game, I think right now. And so, um, giving up a couple of hits to him, no problem. I thought, uh, what it was like 36 innings in uh, 36 pitches in that first inning. And then after that, I think he did the next three on like 27 pitches. So yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that's awesome. We got to see the, the fork ball. Um, you tweeted about it. Uh, can you break down a little bit about what Ronnie was saying? Uh, the differences between that, that split and um, what Senga throws. Well, in a very non-expert layman explanation, um, kind of. <laughs> so the splitter and even a changeup is it's a low spin pitch. So, so what you're looking at mostly is going to be just the the natural gravity of a ball moving and the addition of any type of force 
behind it. So whether it's finger pressure, whether it's, um, you know, putting a little bit of extra cut on it, which would be a circle change. I think the release of a fork ball or a splitter and you combine it with the thumb that Sango puts under the ball. Yeah. I don't want to say it's like a steering wheel, but in the same sense that Garrett Cole can kind of control his knuckle curve, Phil Hughes did it really, really well. Like he throws a knuckle curve and you can almost steer it. And, and with that thumb, which Sanga uses, of course, we saw it. <laughs> and I want to talk about the sweeper slider thing as well, because that is just unreal. That thing stays in the zone and it darts across, but in a second. So especially if, again, we will talk about the tunneling again, but if he's able to sync up where his cutter's going, where his sweeper's going, where his four seam's going, and where he starts that fork from, hitters have no idea where they're going. So, you know, let's say he wants to start higher in the zone with that fork ball, which he really didn't do a lot of today, but it almost seems like he has the ability to control it and say, okay, you know what, this is going to land at the, the, the bottom of his thighs as opposed to his shins. And I'm sure he could probably pull that off. Um, what I really caught caught my eye was in the beginning of the game, and I think you know Arias got after him with the with the splitter, and that was you know that's just Arias being a terrific hitter. Um, Jorge Soler, and I believe it looked like Chisholm Chisholm was um was kind of tracking it well in his next at bat, and I want to say that what's his name uh, Birdie was that Birdie who had a. a hit into left field. I, I can't remember now, but looks like guys were kind of looking after or looking for the fastball early in the early innings. <laughs> and once Sanga really got in their heads with everything he's throwing at them and, you know, the sweeper, of course, darts in towards left-handers and he can use that cutter where it shoots away from left-handers or in towards right-handers, however you want to look at it. And boy, he's got guys guessing. I really can't wait to dig into that data and see exactly where things are coming from. I mean, you could probably pop on StatCast and we could look at, you know, his release points and stuff. But, you know, what hitters are seeing, especially considering most have never seen him before, at least from that angle, um, the head games that Sanga is going to be able to play and even take advantage of when guy, when he finds vulnerabilities in whether it's swings or approaches, whatever. I think that's going to be probably his most potent weapon. Uh, in addition, of course, outside of his arsenal itself, but how he adapts to here, how hitters are adapting to him, I think is going to be the the fulcrum point of his success. And from what we saw on Sunday, boy, he responded really, really well to what hitters were giving him. He did, yeah. And um, so, it, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Tacoma. I really enjoy reading his uh, post-game wraps. If you look at the one from today, there is a beautiful chart which shows how he used all of the pitches to righties and lefties. Uh, you mentioned that sweeper. He threw it a lot to right-handed batters getting it diving darting away. Sorry? I'm saying yeah, darting away. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he didn't give up a single hit on any of the the sweepers that he threw. Is, Dude, if you, if you saw him, like he was starting at like guys like rib cages, and it would it wasn't like they weren't um, dropping 
some were, but others weren't really dropping so far horizontally, but they were starting on the inside black and getting, you know, getting caught two inches off the outside black. And it was just a, a beautiful thing to watch. And it's a shape that we don't see very often. Yeah, that's an incredible amount of ride, which, uh, <laughs> and that's like, you know, I, I would love to see the, uh, the ump cam for that. Cause whenever I see those, cause sometimes I think that the natural inclination from the fan and I do this too, is like, ah, man, what are you swinging at? And then you see it and it's like, no, it was just right there. How could it be on the yeah. outside corner now? Um, so I, I'd love to see that for that pitch. Um, eight of you know, 12. If we had a uh, ump cam with video. It'd just be like a quick whimper and the ump passing wind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, eight of 12 of those uh, ghost forks that you threw got whiffs, which is awesome. Eight of 12? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, fastball up to <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you remember Dice K's gyro ball, which was kind of like, it's kind of like the cutter we saw today. It kind of moved like that, where he could, it was like, it was like a, a screwball kind of, uh, kind of action to it. Um, that's how hitters kind of looked today. Just baffled at what they were seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fastball up to 99. Uh, I thought he started to throw it with pretty good control after he settled down. Um, other things that I picked up from the start, the respect that he has for the for his teammates, um, waiting for Starling Marte, uh, waiting for the, the infielders to come in after a good play to be able to to tell them how much he appreciated it. Um, that was really cool. Um, uh, getting the standing ovation from all of the fans in Miami. That was really cool. I just think that he's, uh, he's fitting in really well. The other thing, um, that Garrett mentioned on the broadcast, which I did not know, um, uh, single was drafted as like a developmental player and no developmental player has ever had as much success as he has typically a developmental draft pick in Japan in MPB will end up being a career minor leaguer over there. It, uh, so for him to have started the Japan series opening game multiple times for him to get 12 wins in a season, multiple times, I, this is a guy who through sheer effort, hard work and, um, and a desire to be great has made himself into the player that we see today. And it's somebody he, he's had the desire to come over here for a long time. Right. And he yeah. finally came over. So um, for him to get through that first inning with limited damage and then not really give up anything, the rest of the game, I thought that was really awesome. And, and so I, I was so excited for him and, uh, and for what he could be on this team. Oh, and just kind of to echo your point as far as his journey, you know, you come, you can almost understand the nerves that he was experiencing. Well, I'm sure we can't even begin to grasp them, but you probably get a sense of the nerves he was feeling. Like you said, he was a developmental player, worked his way all the way to the uh, you know elite status in the in the Japan leagues in um, MPB. Um, yeah. It's 
you know, wait, has to wait. I think he, he wanted to be posted in 2019. He has to wait four years to be posted to the major leagues. Like clearly this is a long time dream of his to get to the major leagues. You're here. Yeah. There's going to be some jitters, man. That's okay. I mean, you know, the way that he was able to shake that off. And like you said before, he shook it off in the first when he loaded the bases and got out of that. Once he was able to find his groove, he really didn't leave it. And no, he didn't. He retired 15 of the last 17 that he faced. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, I don't know if you were listening. We, we had our friends at the Apple on last week, and I, I put him up there as my X Factor because he could be the piece of the puzzle that makes everything fit. He really could, especially if you're going to have either a, a veteran, uh, a very veteran, albeit on their way to the Hall of Fame front end and unproven yet talented back end, Sang is going to be just a, an imperative part to the success of the rotation. And boy, if he's going to bring ace type stuff and you've got, if if everyone stays healthy, Max, Verlander, Sanga all doing their thing up front, it just alleviates so much pressure off of Peterson, McGill, Quintana when he comes back, whatever the case may be. And, and you know, that's how you foster growth and that's how you kind of reinforce the the bottom line of a of a competitive ball club. Yeah, well, I think you're absolutely right. And if you look at what the Mets did this offseason, right, they spent a lot to bring back the core position players. They also spent on Diaz, but um they made the decision to turn over the staff. I mean, three of the guys that were here last year are not starting for the Mets, right? They're elsewhere. And uh, and not necessarily doing that well, but um, to to have new guys come in, like you know, they're entrusting a lot of money and expectations on Senga, right? Five years, seventy five million dollars. I know that you know Cohen has played with monopoly money basically, and that that we're adjusting to that life, but it um, it's not a little bit of money. It's it's a, it's a significant investment. And so um, they're counting on him. And so for him to show up in this way today uh, was awesome. Um, another guy that um, the Mets are putting a, a little bit of faith in, or at least giving an opportunity to, was uh, was Tommy Pham. And he was huge today, right? Oh, my goodness. Three for four, a home run, a double, a garbage time stolen base just to say, hey, this is we're the New York effing Mets. And this Love is that. Up four, up four in the ninth inning, just going to take second base. Excuse yeah. Me. Oh, dude, if that's the vibe this year, I'm totally with it. <laughs> I like it. You you can never have too many runs in this game. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. A hundred percent. And and if, if anyone takes exception to it, then, you know, make it a closer game. Yeah, we get hit by a ton of pitches anyway. It's not going to matter. You hit with Castro twice today, uh, today, Sunday. He's um, really good at getting those. Uh, did you see? And they made a note of it when they showed the replay. I believe it was his first hit by pitch. It might have been his second. I, yeah. I, but he he kept his elbow in the zone, but he <laughs> turned his body away. And it definitely tricks the umpire. And they probably shouldn't have said anything on the air because now the league's going to be like, oh, hey, umpires, keep an eye out for this. And I bet you someone someone barks at something this year. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, almost certainly. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I noticed that as soon as they said it, I was like, oh man, like they it's definitely a savvy move. 
Yeah. Well, but uh, compare that to, you remember when Conforto stuck his elbow in there on opening day? Yeah, uh, almost started a brawl. Yeah, that, <laughs> there's, a, there's levels to this. Uh, and uh, and LeCastro is clearly really good at being a magnet for. On the other hand, uh, Mark Cannon doesn't even do anything like that. It's not like a game for him. He just happens to keep getting hit by pitches. He can't avoid it. Yeah, you know, the, so there's, you know, he probably like all those five star Michelin rated restaurants he goes to probably is like giant tips and makes the rest of his uh, MLB player brethren look bad. And they're all just <laughs> like, oh, screw this guy. Plug him. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, it was great to see Tommy Pham uh, break out today. I think, you know, his spring was down. And so I think a lot of people were down on him. And I thought that he was really kind of suffering from the fatigue that Mets fans have felt with Darren Ruff also, and he was being grouped into that as well. So yeah. um, good I for mean, him. We can't, we can't, you know, say we can't like, you know, carve out his spot on the, on the parade float in, in, uh, in November or late October, <laughs> but um, very nice day. First, you know, first day at the office. And um, as long as he stays productive, man, he can be a part and, I think the Mets and the Mets fans should welcome him with, with open arms if he keeps on doing it. It's also an edge and an attitude thing, too, with him. Um, yeah. I, I think he's a lot like, you know, to make a basketball comparison, like a Patrick Beverly or uh, uh, Lance Stevenson, like role player, somebody that you hate to face, just a, kind of a pest. But if he's on your team, you know that he's going to stand up for for your guys. So, uh, I, I like him in that sense. Um, I thought your tweet was so funny that he has principles. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't leave a friggin' dead fish flopping over the middle of the plate like that, man. Tommy Pham is going to destroy that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, all in all, good series. And now the Mets will, uh, I'm sure that they're probably getting ready to head over to the airport, fly to Milwaukee. That's going to be a happy flight to Milwaukee. I think they're going to have a lot of fun, uh, but hopefully not too much because they've. Uh, I think they play again tomorrow. Oh, what bratwurst and pilsner? Can you how much? How much you know? Non fun can you really have? <laughs> yeah. Um, tomorrow, uh, cookie on the mound. Cookie on the mound. I'm excited for it. I think that it's it, it's a tone setter type thing, not just for the back end of the rotation, but for cookie. If I think if he can, you know, step by step, keep on gaining confidence, keep on putting together solid starts. And he started to really put it together towards the end of the spring. He looked really good at some points. Um, it's going to be important. And they're not facing a slouch, man. Freddie Peralta, he's got plus plus stuff across the board. Four seam, slider, curveball, changeup. He's an excellent, excellent pitcher. Um, yeah. And I think Milwaukee's a, a, a fine ball club too you look at guys like garrett mitchell you look at guys like uh oh there's another rookie up there that i really really like um, gosh i can't think of it now but, but yeah uh, that's a that's a nice team man if cookie can can work through that lineup if the mets can attack a good pitcher in peralta get off on the good foot that's a, a nice start to uh to to milwaukee is that that's their home opener yeah they've uh they took two out of three at wrigley right 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 Lost to our old friend uh, Marcus Stroman, but um, have did they beat Steele on Saturday? Did they? I like Justin Steele. 
Uh, I'm not sure who went on Saturday for the Cubs, but they did beat them. Yeah, yeah, I think Steele went Saturday, but uh, I like him. I think he's going to be good. He scored late on uh, on Saturday in the eighth, and so they beat uh, Assad, and then um, the Airbender got the save. So he <laughs> he's super fun to watch during the uh, the World Baseball Classic, and anybody that's been watching the last couple of years. So um, hopefully he doesn't get in in, all, in these three games. How about that? Um, you got Wade Miley going for Milwaukee on Tuesday, and the Mets, a few Mets, absolutely crush him. I know Marte is like nine for twenty-two in his career against him. Lindor's five for thirteen. Canna's four for sixteen. The Mets have done well against Miley in the past. So even if Peralta may may get their number on Monday, I think you have a nice, nice. Uh, uh, I guess I wouldn't say an easy night at the office against Miley, but you know what he brings to the table and hopefully whatever happens on Monday, they could pick one up on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, I, I think Monday also important because it'll be Corbin Burns on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Peterson up against Corbin Burns on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Which is exciting. Um, that'll Good be, him. I hope he gets up for that. Yeah, and and I think that uh, hopefully the Mets feel good about going to Milwaukee. That was where they clinched a playoff berth last year, um, and uh, and so I, I hope that they're excited and um, ready to carry on this energy from taking three out of four. Man, I when I think of the Mets playing in Milwaukee, I will never ever forget Bill Hall hitting a walk off. I think it was the second of the game, but walk off homer with the pink bat on Mother's Day. Man, this maybe 2011, 2012, possibly. But yeah, when you said Mets in Milwaukee, for some reason, boom, that was the first thing that popped in my head. Bill Hall's oh, underrated. Sorry? I said Bill Hall was an underrated player. I haven't he thought good. about it. He was damn good. Had yeah. pop. I think I want to say he went to Japan or Korea after the major leagues. I, I don't mind 100%, but. But yeah, oh, and he killed the Mets whenever he could. <laughs> there are a lot of random dudes like that. Oh my goodness, we could do a whole episode just on random players who have just beaten up on the Mets whenever possible. I think they're showing me a 2012 uh, amazing finishes. Oh boy, we I'm sure we could find a couple of the 2012 uh, uh, nobodies who beat the Mets. I just yeah. saw Nikias hit a home run for the Mets. So, oh, I'm sure we'll find some gems if we poke around deep enough. Even later than, uh, even earlier than that, actually. So it was Mother's Day 2006. He 2006? hit a home run in the 10th inning. He hit the home run using a special pink bat with his mother, Virgie Hall, in attendance. And then after the game, he dedicated the home run to her. The bat was auctioned. Um, oh, this is nice. The Brewers owner, um, Mark uh, Adonazio, uh, purchased the bat and gave it to Hall's mother. Uh, he, he purchased it for over $25,000, which is nice. That's awesome. Yeah. 2006. Holy shit, time flies. Excuse me. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, this is another fun one. Uh, Hall drew three of the four walks issued by Justin Verlander in his 2007 no-hitter against the Brewers. <laughs> That's awesome. Good <laughs> eye, Bill Hall. Hmm. That's cool. You have a guy who's so locked in and you're just messing with him like, nope, I am going to spit at your pitches. There goes <laughs> your perfect game. Now, what, those are the only walks he gave up or three or four, you said? 
Three out of four, yeah. Ah, that would have been fun. Like, oh, I'll be the thorn in your side forever. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Bill Hall. I guess, you know, tap tip to Bill Hall for closing out our, our show with some some good memories. Yeah. Well, well, not great for the Mets, for Mets fans, but shit, it got my my head going. Yeah. No, I, I, I love thinking about that era of baseball. I, the 2006 Mets were um, – they're just always in my heart. I love that team. So, oh, well, uh, on the on the bad side, it's nice to think about them. Oh, I mean, that was a that was the beginning of a. It was a tough era, as a whole, just because they never really got over that. You know, got to the top of the mountain. Yeah, but man, two thousand six was magic. Um, just as a fan, was magic. Uh, personally, um, big year for me. I um. Ended recovery opening day, 2006, April 6th, which will be this week. Um, and yeah, you know, the ride they took me on as I was repairing my freaking life was, uh, was awesome. Yeah. Never unforgettable stuff. 17 years. Now. 17 years on April 6th. Nice man. That's great. Congrats. Ah, thank you. I really, I was not planning on putting that in there, but yeah, it's funny where the mind goes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> all right buddy i think that's is that all we got yeah, um I think so that's it that's a that's a wrap yeah all right guys um we'll see you next week we have some guests lined up we'll be back on friday we'll be hopefully discussing some more mets wins and uh yeah you know the sign off it's let's fucking go mets we'll see you guys next time peace <laughs>